Smith, and this is more than one lesson. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to remind everybody that over at BattleshipPretension.com, you can get our new book, uh, The 101 Best Movies of the 2010s. Uh, as of right now, we're recording this a couple weeks uh, in advance, and uh, so the book is not yet available, but you can pre-order it, uh, and maybe by the time you're hearing this, it, it will be available, but it is uh, $14.99 plus shipping. Uh, it was a lot of fun to write. Uh, I have have read the whole thing and uh, you might be surprised by some of the movies that are included um, and maybe you'll be angry about some of the movies that are included. That's the whole point about making a list. Uh, it's a lot of fun in that regard. But anyway, so if you go to battleshipretention.com, uh, there will be a little graphic that says the 101 best movies of the 2010s. It'll be on the left hand side. Just click on that and you'll get where you need to go. So today, this is very exciting for a number of reasons. Uh, in, in, in my general nerddom, there are a few, uh, specifics. Obviously I like movies, but I am also a big fan of voice actors. Uh, it is a world that I'm fascinated by. And over at Battleship Pretension, we had Maurice LaMarche. We had Townsend Coleman here on More Than One Lesson. We had Wally Winger. Lots of, it's, it's a profession that I find infinitely fascinating. Uh, and so today we have uh, a couple of, I'm, I'm just going to say veterans, if not legends. Uh, that's what I'm choosing to say uh, because they're guests on my show. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to be as uh, complimentary as possible. Uh, but yeah, it is uh, Katie Lee and Will Ryan. Katie and Will, how's it going? Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for okay. having us. Legends. Yes. What did you, legends and veterans. Veterans, or yes. Veteran legends or yes. legendary veterans. Okay, sure. I like that. That's I'm glad you nice. didn't say demigods because that's what's every, what everybody else is saying. <laughs> everybody else is saying that, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's I can't I can't I can't get into that on this that's, on this kind of podcast. That's quite a compliment, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it is one of those things, uh, you know. Uh, as listeners know, I'm an, I'm a new father, and one thing when you're a movie person uh, or or like a TV fan, you you wonder like, okay, what what things did I grow up with that I want to show my kids when they're when they're old enough? So I've been delving into YouTube and. Uh, looking at like old shows that I watched over and over again when I was a kid. So of course I ran across Teddy Ruxpin oh, and I, wow. and I ran across gummy bears. Uh, that's not one I ran across. That was one I knew about, but uh, these things. And sure enough, well, wait, 
there's Katie Lee in the credits and there's Will Ryan in the, in the credits. So that's when, you know, same, same, like when we had uh, Maurice LaMarche on battleship retention and you realize like, Oh, he did the voice of Egon on the real ghostbusters. I grew up with that too. You know, that's something that I find one of the many things I find fascinating about voice acting is that a person, once they're in it, they can be in it for a long time. And, uh, and it's, you know, someone, doing something today, uh, they might've been doing stuff when I was a kid. And so, uh, it was very, so I, I like to view you guys again as, as legends and veterans, just because, you know, I've known about you for a long time and that's in, in the end, it's my show. So I decide who's what. That's great. Well, we'll have to flip a coin, Will, and see which one, of, which one's the legend and which one's the veteran. <laughs> Well, admittedly, people aren't seeing the video, but I do think uh, with Will, the hat that Will is wearing right now, that does kind of have a legend quality to it. It is. He's he's, so. he's a legend in, in his own <laughs> mind, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Um, mine. He's 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 one of my favorite legends. So, uh, you know, there's there's a, a lot to get to, and uh, we're going to kick off with just sort of a basic question uh, about, uh, I'm always interested, anybody who's in the entertainment industry in any capacity, I'm always curious to know, like, the environment growing up, uh, was it like a, a movie and TV friendly environment or is it something, especially, you know, again, this is a, a Christian show. And so some of the people, uh, their parents weren't particularly friendly to that sort of thing. And some like mine very much were. And so I was just curious to know, like, were you movie fans? Were you TV fans as you were, as you were kids? Sure. Yeah, that was pretty normal for okay. us, I think. Uh, we, we didn't have that. I don't think there was such a, 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 how do you say, like, I must be like your mom's age, maybe, Tyler. So uh, I'll, when I know when my kids were, there was like this Christian mentality about media in general that I don't think really existed when we were kids. It because really seems to start in the 80s. Things, did, things were already, you know, they when we even when Will and I started and, and I'll and I'll let you add Will, but I mean when we were when we started doing cartoons there was still the standards and practices people who sure. sat in the booth along with the director and the producer and when that went away then everybody got more concerned about stuff because pretty much media was self uh I don't want to say censoring, but conscious of, yeah. of what they were yeah. putting out on the air, right? Would Everything well? changed uh, during the Reagan administration, oddly mm -hmm. enough, uh, because uh, the FCC was... Deregulation. Yeah, all that de deregulation happened. It used to be uh, the 777 rule. Uh, any company could only own seven FM stations, seven AM stations, and seven local television stations throughout the country. That was thrown out, and all of a sudden you get these monstrosities of uh, yeah. clear, clear channel radio. Is, is the name of called company. conglomerates, not yeah, monstrosities. Right. And, and they start ruling the, the roost and making up their own rules. And they got rid of the, uh, oh, it used to be, because uh, I worked in radio uh, at the time when we had to go out once a year and consult with, um, with leading uh, citizens of our, of our reach, of our, our our, you know, uh, uh, the neighborhood wherein you could hear the station. 
mm-hmm. or the television station or the you know the radio station, uh, television channel I should say, and and get uh, prominent people to say that uh, you're you're uh, meeting uh, the educational and religious and and everything else requirements and therefore because should not lose be, your license. They had to be balanced, right? Everything had to be fair and balanced. Oh yeah, you had to have uh, that's. Uh, you had to have, uh, religious, you know, to have a license, you had to have religious programming, usually ended up on Sunday mornings yeah. uh, and and uh, educational programming, middle of the night, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. but, but you had to have all that stuff. Middle of the night. <laughs> you know, and everybody had to have it and you had to have uh, balanced uh, views and all of that stuff. It all went out in the right. 80s. TV stations too. So yeah. our our experience of media was, you know, very different. They had to have things that were that families could sit around the TV and watch together, on the radio and, and listen to together. Um, it's that's just the way it was. Hey, I love I love uh, old uh, uh, television and radio magazines like what, uh, TV Radio Mirror. Mm-hmm. We started calling it. Uh, it was Radio Mirror. Mirror initially. Yeah. In the probably started around 1940 or so, and and then uh, it became oddly enough radio, and then in very tiny letters and television yeah. mirror around 1944 or 43, some way before there were you know a hundred television sets in yeah. private hands. But they did have that very timely in there because they were looking ahead. Then finally around 48, 49, 50. And we we know people who were part of early television. I mean, Paul Winchell would talk about it. Mm. He said the same thing that um, that somebody else said uh, is that you because he lived in New York and, and you'd go to work and, and you'd see these antennae maybe in New Jersey or someplace on top of the houses. And and every week there'd be more antennae on top of the houses. Yeah. Hey, this thing is growing, you know? And, and uh, of course it did. And I knew Milton Burl who was part of that, that too. And he said, the yeah. same. Um, so uh, yeah, so it was radio. And, and then uh, we didn't get a television in our house until I was, I don't know, maybe five years old or something, five or six. But um uh, but everything that was on TV was uh, good for the whole family. You yeah. Know? I, yeah. I mean, the shows that uh, those Western shows were just great. Uh, uh, great. Remember show. when they used to have, I mean, they used to have these specials. Tyler, what do you, what kind of professor are you? Oh, uh, I, <laughs> I profess that movies are pretty good. Uh, I teach film history and aesthetics. Film history. Okay. So, I mean, I remember we would get so excited, like they'd promote this, like the news, you know, like like 60 Minutes or something. And they'd say, we're going to have these special quizzes. Remember those, Will? Like, come, we're going to educate you, Hmm. learn about stuff. And then you'd take this quiz, like, what do you know about this topic? Oh, yeah, they would have these special, these news specials in prime time. Yeah. Network documentaries in prime time. It was amazing. Yeah. uh, it was like, what do you know? Is your water down. safe? And I me- I remember one. Can you get the diseases from a toilet seat? I swear <laughs> that was one of the segments, and I was fascinated. That you know they were you know teaching you things, and 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 news always had to be fair and balanced. There wasn't like a pin. I mean, if they had opinions, I don't know. Maybe oh, it was David clearly, Frost uh, who gave it. I don't know. 
the the opinions opinions expressed on what's my opinion are are those of the people speaking them and not yeah. not necessarily those of this station. Right, yeah. right. And then of course you know it went off at one in the morning or midnight. They we had this test pattern and they said you oh and at ten o'clock every night there was a message that would be broadcast and it would say it's ten o'clock. Parents, do you know where your children are? <laughs> yeah, that's what we right. Am I right? That's right, and uh, and then they play uh, like an internationally famous and this drinking is the song. Seventies, okay. This is the seventies. It's yeah. not that long ago. It's not. No, we're not talking the third. Yeah, we're only talking a half a century ago. Well, was it that long ago? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, nineteen seventy <laughs> is fifty years ago now. It is. It's a strange. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 38. I'm not that old, although, you know, uh, for the last four months, I felt much older. Um, and, uh, although in teaching, I definitely feel older as well because, uh, my students are half my age and, many of them aren't movie people. They're simply taking a film class to fill a certain credit. Uh, and so when talking about movies, you know, and you're talking about stuff from the 1890s, uh, and then, you know, even stuff from the forties, you get to the seven in the history of film, you get to the seventies, like, well, now that's like modern film. Like that's when things really start to change. Those movies don't really feel that old to me. And meanwhile, uh, you know, the, to hear my students classify what an old movie is and it's come out <laughs> since I graduated college and it's like, Oh boy. All right. Yeah. Right. I'm feeling pretty old now. Yeah. Wait till you're our age. Well, I have a question. Sure. How do you pronounce George Melius? Uh, Melier is how I've heard it. That, that, yeah, me too. But his granddaughter was in town one time and spoke at the Motion Picture Academy, and she said Melius. So I'm just hmm. passing that along. All right. Well, right, I'm the better. professor, and I say what I want. All right. I, you know. I see he's I'll not taking notes. I see he's not taking notes. He's apparently he's like a do as I say, not as I do, professor. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Oh. A hundred percent. Yeah. No. Uh, it's it's weird going from the world of criticism into the into the world of academia, because I have to be real careful. Because I, I like to find out, like at the beginning of every week, hey, what movies have you seen lately, uh, or uh, you know, at the beginning of every semester, like, what are some of your favorite movies? And I have to be real careful not to like throw my opinion out there, uh, especially if it's uh, a movie that I don't care for, because like, I'm trying to engender a love of film, not like, don't say the wrong thing. Uh, and it's tough. Cause I've been a critic a lot longer than I've been a, a teacher. You know, but, before, uh, the, before this interview started, we, uh, we mentioned, I mentioned the word demigod and uh, <laughs> yeah. now Hercules is a demigod. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads me to, and that was a film. Um, I mean, it was many films, but yes. uh, as far as kids are concerned, it, it's uh, a Disney animated film. Yeah. Uh, but that leads me to uh, an actual goddess who uh, stars in two movies, and that's Wonder Woman. Sure. Actual Greek goddess. And, um, do you, and that's do you pretty know, rare. Tyler, that Will is also like could probably teach all your classes too he's that much of a film I, i've gotten that uh, that uh, impression expert yes 
I, I overheard uh, at, at Cinecon, I believe a couple uh, years ago, I had a table there. I was selling uh, my book and uh, I overheard a conversation and Will was there and I didn't just say anything because he was, I was, had to man my table. Otherwise, people would have stolen my book. That's obviously not true. Nobody cared. But uh, but I did overhear a conversation that you were having with someone. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, OK, Will definitely. uh has a, a passion for this subject, which is always very exciting. He knows his stuff. I, you know, I mean, there, there's so much to know. I mean, I know what I know, and you know. Sure. Well, I said every you know day. your stuff. I didn't say you know no, all that's stuff. True. That's right. Okay. <laughs> but, Pick you your know, words very carefully, Katie. Well as done. Each day goes by. Everybody knows less and less. It's just it's impossible to keep up. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because we have a we we would seem to be able to know more and more, but it winds up being the opposite. Right. Luckily, this luckily this pandemic came along. And we could yeah, exactly. Up, we could try do, to do people up. wonder why we're both on your show together? Uh, I don't. Well, I mean, or do you usually have like groups? You know, I, I could answer that because he named several programs that we were both in. Um, oh. Gummy Bears and uh, Teddy Ruxpin and. Uh, yeah, Dumbo circus. My little you know pony. Circus, Tyler? Dumbo circus. Dumbo circus. I was not. I'll say I was not a big My Little Pony fan uh, when I was a, a kid. Um, <laughs> Me neither. Come to no, think of no offense to those that uh, that are, uh, but uh, not my not my cup of tea. I, um, yes, I can't say that it was one of my yeah, favorites either. But, it was not demographically. Uh, but Dumbo Circus was one of my favorites. And I don't think I, I don't think I watched that. I'm trying to think the stuff I did watch when I was a kid. I was born in 82. So obviously real Ghostbusters was a big was a big one for me. G.I. Joe. And I know that, uh, Will, I think you did some voices on G.I. Joe. Yeah, I did a couple of voices on real Ghostbusters. Like real. Guest, oh, that's guest, cool. Guest spots. Yeah. Kids or something. Um, now, obviously, yeah, uh, Katie, G.I. Joe. What was that? I wrote a book about G.I. Joe. Did you oh, actually? Yeah. Yeah. You called did. Duke and Me. Oh man! All right. Well, uh, uh, is it still available? Well, let's make it. it available on our podcast. Oh yeah, we See, will. That's yeah. what we're going to put available with discounted rates on our Patreon. I think. There you go. Yes. It came yeah. out about eight years ago. I think I've got maybe somewhere. I have about fifteen copies left somewhere. I oh. I totally know what you mean. They're gone. Yeah, uh, I was uh, I was the prime demographic for the Disney afternoon. I'll say that. Yeah. So Darkwing Duck, I Darkwing Duck that. was I, that was for me as a kid. That was a game changer. I enjoyed DuckTales and Chippendales Rescue Rangers. But Darkwing Duck, the because, you know, I, I enjoyed Batman and that was essentially Disney's Batman. And uh, and I know you did uh, certainly a, a one very specific uh, voice, which was uh, Honker, I believe the character's name is, right? Yeah, Honker Muddlefoot. He yeah. had a little bit of a stuffy nose. <laughs> uh, it's always so strange. This is something when when I had Townsend Coleman on, who I assume you guys know as well, because you've guys you've worked on what, Odyssey with him. Yeah. Wait, what's his name? Townsend yeah. Coleman. Oh, yeah. Uh, is okay. That, he's the, the black guy. That is that the. Well. Stop I'm it. just kidding around. Okay. I've known Townsend. He he yeah, yeah. designed Townsend's logo okay. when Townie had a radio station in Cleveland. They knew each other like long time ago. I I assume I and for a moment I was like, who's who's Will talking about? Oh, you're talking about Robert Townsend. Okay, yes, uh, director of Meteor Man, which is actually a pretty good movie. Um, so no, he, uh, had, he had that movie before that in the '80s. 
Oh yeah, he had um, Hollywood oh. Shuffle. Is that yeah, him? Hollywood yeah, Shuffle. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh shoot! Now I forget what. Uh, talking about Townsend. Townsend. When Townsend was on. Oh boy. Oh yeah, that's right. And and he. Uh, I, I've, I've, I was also a big fan of The Tick, and 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 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so then he did the voice of Michelangelo, and it's just you know th- these are voices from my childhood. And then to hear, to be com- you just casually having a conversation with somebody and then they launch into that. It's like, this is all very surreal. Um, it gives uh, you the squiggles. It's it? not exactly the word I'd use, but sure. Uh, <laughs> it's not a word I use very often, um, especially in regards to myself. But uh, yeah, it's it's very strange to hear uh, these these voices. Oh, Muppet Babies was obviously a big one too for me, and I know you oh. did the voice of Ralph. Yeah, yeah, but it was Ralph. For yeah, you know, that's why you know, I, I people keep telling me I should do voices when I do interviews, and I hardly you ever should. do. Should do your voices. Okay, you- so I did I did several characters on on Ducktales, and one of them was basically Pegleg Pete, but they always gave him different names like um, mm-hmm. Pedro. Or Pierre or something. Hmm. Hi, pal. I wonder if I could borrow some money. <laughs> so that's him. Uh, do, please do not feel this is, uh, you know, you're, you're not a jukebox, as uh, Bill Hicks used to say. Uh, you do not have to do any voices here. Uh, don't feel any pressure at all. Your voice is all I need. Um, but uh, I was start using that regular actual voice. Proceed, please. Oh, man, if only. Uh, I can't tell you how many times Will has tried to call me and pretend like he was somebody else. Like, I wouldn't know it's him. <laughs> it's like, like, like we've known each other like 40 years, and he's always trying to disguise his voice. I feel like being friends with a voice actor is uh, <laughs> a, potentially a, a nightmarish proposition, because you never quite know what kind of horrendous voice is going to be on the other end of the, of the phone. It's not really like that. No, I think most actually... I just want to put a plug in for our genre. And I think voice actors are the most down-to-earth, normal actors you're ever going to meet. I uh, I have experienced that um, a couple years ago. I was uh, my very first uh, teaching gig, actually. I was uh, teaching film history to uh they weren't really foreign exchange students because they were only here for a week but uh students from italy who were they were on what's called a study tour where they go to an american city they study the industry like the primary industry of that city and then they tour the city so they were in los angeles and they were learning about film and i asked them like hey what uh what stuff would you guys be interested in and a surprising number of them said voice acting so i actually emailed townsend and said hey do you want to come and uh, talk to my students and he, oh, he's and he, a great lecture. And he did. And uh, he was he was the nicest guy in the world and he didn't get paid for it. Um, and uh, but he just really liked the idea of doing it. And so, yes, in my experience, uh, voice actors are tremendously are tremendously nice and uh, and also humble. So you guys are both very humble. Good job. Well, we've been practicing exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. many years of practice at that. <laughs> I I am curious. Um you know, at what point did you did did either of you um, decide to like do this professionally, whether it be voice acting specifically or just getting into the entertainment industry? <clears throat> I could answer that, Katie. Do you want to go first, and then uh, I can't oh, you answer for you, Will. So you better just. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I thought you guys were friends. You can answer for me. Can I answer for you and you can answer for me? That would be funny. Yeah. No, um, I know I know what Will always says. He says when the check cleared, but tell him that. <laughs> no, I mean the 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 actual answer, and I never thought about it this way before, but I, quite consciously, uh, I used to I had a comedy act and I came out here with a comedy act and we did a an on camera series at NBC and worked with all kinds of stars on that. Well, that's and, when you used to be funny, right? Right, when I used to be funny. <laughs> and when I used to <laughs> be able to sing <laughs> and play guitar <laughs> and even ukulele but but um uh so uh and we've been performing at uh, the improv and the comedy store and places like that but you and, also had your own tv show didn't you in cleveland yeah back in cleveland yeah we well, were that on, counts yeah. as a career of tv sure I, I i this is more of a national career out here we came out here and i was writing songs for disney's and we were doing a network series and and other things and i uh, incidentally, was in Mickey's Christmas Carol, and then I accidentally was in uh, Winnie the Pooh and a Day for Eeyore, and which was great. I mean, I, I was working with Clarence Nash a lot, who was the voice of Donald Duck, and and um, and uh, all the guys at Disney's and uh, all kinds of people. You mean you were writing songs for him? Is that how you were working? No, uh, uh, Willie Onfilio would perform, and Ducky would come up and join us, and sometimes he'd get a booking, and then he'd get the. Uh, the two of us in on it too. And, uh -huh. and we, we, uh, when we, he, any of us got bookings, we, we get the others. And cause we had a, uh, a song that was playing on the charts, uh, you know, throughout the States what, what uh, going, quackers, going quackers and uh, uh, with uh, Willie on Philly on Donald duck. Oh. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, see, I didn't know this. And then we were working, we were working on, uh, we were working on uh, welcome to Pooh corner and I was doing Tigger and uh rabbit and then uh singing for eeyore on that i'd already done rabbit in a film mm -hmm. and then phil decided that he didn't want to play clubs anymore he didn't want to do that he said you know we'll do television but i i don't want to play clubs anymore uh, he was newly married and, and uh, it kind of made sense and uh, and I thought, oh, gee, but I said, if we don't play clubs, nobody can come and hear us, you know, or theater. I mean, we'd done theater. Yeah. We didn't want to do any of those. No more personal appearances. And, but if no, no one can hear us. So the reason we get hired for some of these things is because people come and hear us. So he just didn't want to do that anymore. And so I thought, oh, man, what do I do now? Go back to Cleveland and become a weatherman or something, or, you know, or uh, and I thought, oh, wait a minute. I'm doing all this voice work <laughs> yeah, and I don't have an agent for that. And, you know, we did see about getting an agent when I was uh, at, at earlier. And I thought, let me, let me go back to the, this one agent that I liked and let them know <laughs> everything I'm doing nowadays. And, and they'll probably sign me because uh, it's free money for them. And so that's exactly what happened. I went to uh, George over at Held uh, uh, Fund. Uh, is it uh, yeah. Wormser Heldfond and Joseph, formerly right. Jack Wormser Agency, mm -hmm. and Hal Smith uh, put in a good word for me too. Mm -hmm. Janet was, too, was running right? the agency at the time. And that was the first agency in town that represented actors for commercials. Wasn't and Janet with them too, Janet Waldo? Uh, she, mm, I'm not sure about that. Don Pitts. No, she was with Don. Pitts. She was Don, Don. So later on, when when Don Pitts went over to that agency uh, after Roger died about a year after Roger died. Roger yeah. This is, this is very technical talk, but it's, it's, uh, it's fine with me. I, I love it. And, and I'm also in, 
I'm so intrigued at the notion that you like you had already done significant voices for Disney. Uh, and yet the idea of do of really pursuing this and saying, Oh, this is what I'm doing. Like that, that came about only because like, well, I guess I can't do clubs anymore. I guess I'll just settle for a tremendously successful voiceover career. Well, yeah, because I didn't have an agent uh, yeah. you know, for that. These are things that just came in from people at Disney's knowing who I was. Are you the guy on those records? Oh, great. You know, we're doing this and uh, and we're getting around, you know. So uh, so I finally got an agent uh, and then. Oh, but the, the key point I wanted to make here mm -hmm. to tie it in is that uh, Hal Smith was the very first client of Jack Wormser, who had the very first agency. Mm -hmm that signed people who were not announcers, but were actors. Now, Hal was both. Hal was an announcer and an actor. Yeah. New commercials, because it was so, uh, um, it was not uh, something an actor would do. You know, you'd have models in commercials and you'd have voiceover announcers in commercials. Uh, or maybe you'd have an animated thing and you'd have, you know, something like that. Sure. So, um, and then, you know, over, Across town, you had Dawes Butler writing and producing commercials, mm -hmm. you know, animated commercials. Uh, but uh, so th that was a very interesting time when Hal uh, did that. But that was the Wormser Agency, Jack Wormser Agency. Then it became Wormser and Joseph. Then it became Wormser. Then Jack Wormser died. It was Wormser Heldfond and Joseph. Roger Heldfond in charge. Um, so just I'm, a note, if I don't know if I told you this before, but Roger Heldfond's father was a obstetrician and delivered my sisters at cedar side really uh-huh see this this what I, as as my friend dick sherman says it's a small world yeah and my aunt my father's cut they grew up together so they call each other cousins used to date roger wow wow but i wasn't with that agency wow. <laughs> so so i was so here i was signed with this big agency and they handled, as I told my mom and everybody, they handled everybody from Orson, alphabetically, from Orson Bean to Orson Welles. Oh, man. But, but actually, Rex Allen was before Orson Bean. Orson Bean was the second one. And, and I, have, I have the, uh, the demo tape of the, of the actors, the, the male uh, actors from that period. And I'm on there. And I'm on wow. there with... Uh, you are a legend. See? With, it, was, it was guys like Rex Allen, Orson Bean, Mel Blanc, blah, 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 blah. Like everybody's famous except me. And I'm on there, you know. And th that was so neat. I thought, wow, this is great. Yeah. And, and then, then I realized over time that, you know, the only jobs I seem to be getting here are the jobs that I'm getting myself. And I guess you got to be in your 50s or 60s for the, you know, to, to audition for the good stuff or for Roger to send me out for anything interesting, you know, but, uh, but I would occasionally get things from them. And then I, I got things just because people knew who I was or something. And then, you know, as Mel Blanc's punchline was, uh, <laughs> Mel Blanc, I saw Mel do his act maybe eight or nine times. And he said, how did I get started at Warner Brothers? Well, I went to see the guy at Warner Brothers and he said, there's no openings. So I went back the next week. He said, no openings. I went back the next week, no openings. Went back two weeks later, no openings. Finally, the guy dies. <laughs> and then all a big laugh from whatever audience heard that, you know? <laughs> and then he, then he got in. Well, that, that was, that's a, it's a strange thing, but it's a funny thing. So anyway, Roger died. It was very sad. And, um, and I went to the funeral. And that's the first time I saw Louis Nye in person. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, then new people came in for about a year uh, to, to run it. And all of a sudden I was auditioning for everything. I thought, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. So, so that, was, that was interesting. And so that was a lesson there. Yeah. And I remember before I moved out here, uh, a friend of mine was out here and he was a Wait, writer. What was the lesson? The lesson, uh, I'll put it in the words of John Gibbons, who was out here as a writer. And he said, he said, I've got the best agent. I said, what do you mean? He said, my agent died last month. And so I've got an agent and he's not in my way. It's the best agent you can have. Oh my goodness. <laughs> really? That's weird. That is that is a, a thing that you hear in general. But uh, and again, I this hopefully this is not disrespectful, but uh, it's something I've heard about just in the world of, of voice acting, not so much from an executive standpoint, but they're like, you know, a, a voice actor, they can they can do their job from age 20 to 80 because yeah. they keep their voice or in 90s. shape or not. Yeah. We had people on Odyssey working through their nineties. Yeah. And so like, I, I remember asking someone and I'll, I'll be asking you guys later that like, uh, you know, how would somebody go about getting into voice acting? And, and someone said like, I wouldn't recommend it because between like, if you've got 10 voice actors, you've got every voice you could possibly need and they're going to have that job. They're going to, they're going to have the, the, the market cornered well into their seventies or eighties. So you may need to just wait for someone to die. And that sound, of course that sounds very sad. Uh, and, and maybe even a little bit craven, but, uh, but I, I remember not, hearing not, that. Not craven, not craven. That's not the okay. reason. Okay. But, but uh, yes, it, it is sad and, and a little bit. Uh, there is a good word, and I can't think of what it was. Okay. All right. I don't think you want to use the word craven. <laughs> okay. um, and I've seen it with my own eyes. It's, it's really disgusting. Because like, I was good pals with Clarence Nash. Mm-hmm. And say, say Ducky got sick and was in the hospital and say it hit Associated Press or something. All of a sudden, over at Disney's in, in, in the um, casting department, you know, I say, hi, what's new? And they say, we've been inundated with, with unsolicited tapes of people doing Donald Duck. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, and then, then he gets out of the hospital. He's fine for another five years, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so stuff like that does happen. And uh, that, that is pretty bad. But, but I, you know, once I was in the business, I looked around and I thought, this is a crazy business because really, if I were, you know, it just seems to me personally, and Katie, this this is my opinion, and I haven't thought about it much since, you know, since the early 80s, but uh, I thought, I think you only need about eight people in this business <laughs> because you need a soprano, alto, tenor, and bass, and maybe two of them for a little, you know, two of each for, for a little variety or for a different texture or something, you know, maybe three or four if you want, you know, th- then you'd have 16 people, but, but, um, and at one time I was talking to, what's John's name, who is the voice of uh, He-Man, Master of the Universe? Oh. Uh, um, you know who I mean. Yes. Uh, really good guy. John I, Stevenson? No, no, not, not, oh. no. He, he was at Wormser. Um, John was at. Oh, uh, Irwin. John Irwin. Yeah. And John's still around. But, but um, I, I, I admired him a lot. Cause first of all, he's a nice guy. Secondly, he was. Not only the voice of Morris the cat. Yeah, he was Morris the finicky cat and He-Man Master of the Universe. That's a nice diversity. 
And, and then I thought, well, uh, you know, I was I was the voice of Conan for that Universal project, and I'm the voice of Ziggy, who's like the opposite of yeah. Conan. So I guess you know that's similar. But 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 um, uh, anyway, John Irwin told me one time. He said, "Will, about 20 years ago, there are 10 of us who did all of the voiceover work in town. Now there are 10 agencies, and each agency has about 40." males and 40 females and 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 uh, you know and that's what it's like nowadays it's a really well, actually thing. when when we started there were about 200 people in town i think who did voice strictly were known as voice actors i mean obviously there's crossover celebrity voices people mm-hmm. doing things or you, you think know. there were that many i mean certainly well, there, there were there were that many with representation yeah i mean maybe Maybe 200, maybe 100 to 200. But then, according to Andrea Romano, they're in the 80s, all of a sudden, when cartoons did become advertising for toys, a, yeah. lot, a big push, and, 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 and Warner Brothers opened their studio, and, and there were more studios producing. They needed more actors, and people didn't want, they did want more diverse voices. They didn't want to hear the same actors over and over again, so that opened the door for more people. And now... I mean, there's thousands of people yeah. auditioning for for the same cartoons. See, but give me a good 1937 movie, and I can count on, you know, the soda jerk. Oh boy, I'm gonna see Sterling Holloway. Well, yeah, oh. you know what? Because we were watching. Uh, well, we were at my at my mother-in-law's over the holidays, and she's 92, and basically she watches the Inspiration Channel and Hallmark. <laughs> And we're watching Gunsmoke, and we're watching Bonanza, and we're watching uh, The Virginian, and the same actors are going in sure. and out. Oh, yeah. All and we love those shows, actors. Right? And, and like, oh, Nally's playing this over here. And, I, and what made me feel old, and like Will and I, ever since we've met, we've both cherished uh, the fact that we've we've been in the in the middle of the old people leaving and the, you know, mm. the new people coming in and just the, the rich history. <laughs> Um, but, but I'm watching these old, you know, movies and oh my goodness, there's Bill Shallert on yeah. the Virginianers, people that we did voices with who were in all these old cowboy TV shows. Yeah. I don't know what brought that, just the fact that there was a small community of yeah. Western and, actors. And Bill Shallert is great because he's, he's a friend, he has a friendly looking face. I should say had, and, uh, he's no longer with us, but, but, mm-hmm. uh, and so he'd be great as just a friendly character. But if you put a mustache on him, he could, you know, he's an actor. So oh, he sure. could play a mean guy too. But, uh, but he was great. I, 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 one of the fun things about Bill is he was, and, and I love it. He pops up in like the third episode of Perry Mason, which is like 1955 or 56. Now that there's DVDs, I can see shows I never saw before, like, like Perry Mason or uh, Rawhide. I never saw Rawhide sure. before. And 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 John Irwin stars in an episode. John Irwin was a regular on Rawhide horseback. He's a good horseman and everything. He was on that show for years. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, you know, I never knew that. And I've known him a long time. But he's like, you know, it's funny because one but- time he, he told me about uh, if, if I hung out at the sportsman's lodge at lunchtime, that usually Gene Autry and, and his sidekick, Pat Buttram, would be having lunch there and how he liked to sit 
at the next table and just listen. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is great. So I always thought he was just a, a fan of cowboy movies. I didn't realize that he was, you know, in he the, was really in them. You well, know, you know what's interesting, Tyler, is what's making it so funny because Will actually has a cowboy band. You should come out and see yeah. them when they're playing in Will Ryan and the Cactus County Cowboys. Okay. So Will's been it's a terrific cow- band. I mean, cowboy music musicians. for a while. They're yeah. fantastic. But I'm just putting two and two together. And when you uh-huh. think about it, those Westerns had a lot of characters. So it makes sense that a lot of the character voice actors sort of transferred. Like Walker was in, Walker Edmiston was, oh, yeah. in, you know, moves like, you know, they were all those character actors became character voices. Yeah. Voice actors too, right? Now, a K- lot of them. Now, Katie, how did you... You know, how did you get started in, in all of this? I copying well. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I left little memos for her. <laughs> I was just following the breadcrumbs. <laughs> Here we are. Um, when the, my story is kind of funny. Um, I, I never was an actor or a performer growing up, but I was a pretty good listener and I love watching TV and comedy and, you know, talking to myself and imitating people. Um, my father was pretty good at that too. And when I went to college after I graduated high school, people started s- telling me that I had a funny voice. I didn't hmm. know. <laughs> I didn't know. And they'd say, you know, give me comments. And I was um, working at, um, I was helping my uncle at his toupee shop. In his very high high scale to pay shop, and a newscaster from L.A. was a client, and he met me and suggested I meet Chuck Bloor, who was a pretty famous, uh, well known radio ad producer. And no relation to Eric Bloor, okay. who played uh, Mr. Toad. And so he said, "You know, why don't you go see him?" And you know, about your voice. So I, I met him, and then I. It sounded fun and uh, to do radio, and he actually called me in to do something, but I was going to college, and and then um, I was a key punch operator, actually, And I, but I didn't know anybody, and one of my uh, coworkers had, like, that, like, the a casting, mag, you know, a magazine for actors, you know, mm-hmm. listed classes and stuff, and I took they had an improv class and I thought, well, that sounds, maybe that would be fun and it would help me be less shy. And so I started doing that and I was doing improv and, and then my step, I am from LA. So my story sounds like very absurd, but my, my uncle who had the toupee shop, his wife used to do, they, they met at Max Factor. They used to do mm-hmm. hair at Max Factor. Hmm. And cool. I didn't then, know that. Yes, and well, now which is the Hollywood Museum, right? Right. So they worked there, and my aunt did Angie Dickinson's hair, all her wigs. She was the one in charge of that, and 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 then uh, they went to my aunt worked went to work at a shop. Uh, Jose Ebert had a hair salon. Oh yeah, he's Emily a famous Hills. guy. Yeah, Andre. Yeah, Jose Andre. Anyway, they had he did Farrah Fawcett's hair. And my, so my stepmom was bored and wanted to work part-time and was the receptionist over there. So fast forward, Noel Blank, who's Mel's son, used to get his hair done there. 
And I, when this is I, a very LA story it already. It's a very LA yeah. story. And I started, um, you know, because I was kind of dabbling a little bit in voiceover, but not really. And and Noel, somehow she, 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 my stepmom told him about me, and he was doing a film, a little short film for the Shriners Institute, and hmm. it was a for the Burns Institute, and they needed the voice of a little girl being scalded in the bathtub. <laughs> so, I know. This is, so somehow he, he, I talked to him over the phone and he said, yeah, come on over. I drove to his house in Beverly Hills. He had a studio. Was this, oh, was this Mel's house? On to- I, I don't think it was Mel's. I think oh, it okay. was Noel's house. Okay. But he lived next door to Michael Douglas, apparently. Okay. And Mel lived next door to Walter Matthau. Oh, well, I, you know, it's Beverly Hills, right? I don't know from right. nothing. I'm in the Valley, right? But so I, I got this job. Yeah, we come out of the studio, his home studio. I do the screaming thing. And there's Michael Douglas sitting on the couch with a tennis racket going, can we play now? I'm like, what world am I in? This is so strange. <laughs> so anyway, fast forward. I'm, I, 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 I'm in this. I decided, okay, I'm going to try to. Maybe I could do voiceover to make some part-time money, right? That was my thinking. Yeah. And um, I ended up making a demo with Lucille Bliss, who lived in San Francisco, who was Smurfette's voice. And <laughs> Also uh, Crusader Rabbit. Yes, Crusader Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, Which, I, um, uh, uh, Tyler, I don't know if you, if you know Crusader Rabbit. I do not. It was Jay Ward's first uh, animated series. Oh, okay. <laughs> So anyway, I and 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 going on the the interviews for for uh, voiceover auditions, I was kind of fascinated by the production part. And this girl was interviewing me for something. I said, "Well, how'd you get your job?" And she said, "Well, I have a degree in broadcasting." I was like, "What? You can get a degree in broadcasting?" Because I wanted to finish getting my bachelor's. So. I was so anyway I did that and when I graduated I'm like now what do I do do I want to be a producer I have this I'd gotten into the Screen Actors Guild from one little job I booked in the city and I thought well you know I'll give it a shot and we'll go back to I didn't really want to go back to LA I was in San Francisco but I thought well I'll give it two years and see if I can make a living doing this voiceover thing and I just really think I was in the right place at the right time and got to learn work, you, you know, watching other people work. Book. I mean, I did sound when I called my agent who happened to be filling in for the re- secretary, the receptionist and answered the phone <laughs> when I called, said, how old are you? And I said, you know, 22. And she goes, well, you sound like you're 12. How soon can you get here? So that was <laughs> the 80s, you know. And it sounds crazy, but everybody, everybody in voiceover has their own story. There is no one yeah. path to get into voiceover. You know, some people are super well-trained. Some people just happen to be good mimics like me yeah. and happen to have a voice. I mean, I didn't even realize my husband's an excellent singer like Will. Um, and he has this huge octave range. Well, I didn't even realize that I guess I have a pretty big octave range too but i don't think in musical terms right you know sometimes you just get lucky whereas i think a lot in musical terms and one time i was hired to help um uh, brendan fraser um with some voice work stuff Uh, i would be his vocal coach for something Mm -hmm. and um 
And the first thing I did was go to a piano and, and find out what his range was, you know? So to me, that's the way I think. Yeah. Uh, well, I hate to say it, but we, cause we were just getting started, but uh, you know, we have come to sort of the end here. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That's fine. It's fine with me. I'm always interested. Frankly, I'm always interested in stories about old Hollywood. Uh, but also I am always interested in hearing how people got started and, and that idea of everybody, there is no clear way to get into this particular aspect of the business. Like when it comes to, you know, an on-screen actor, the stories kind of wind up sounding pretty similar from one to the next. But when it comes to voice acting, uh, you know, the, the handful of voice actors that I've taught that I've spoken to, it's always, it is always different. Uh, and some of it tends to depend on when they got into it as well. You know, will you started at an earlier time than, than Katie. And so, uh, we started, we started about, about the same day. time, about yeah. the same time. Really? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I get, yeah, that's true. I guess uh, you you'd been uh, Katie, Katie doing might clubs and stuff. Will had been working in the business. Right. Right. Yes. Me. I just came in because I've only been a voice actor. I tried to do on camera for a little while just because it seemed part of it to do commercial stuff. And actually, Will took pictures with me for my composite, which is the mm. cover of our book, Adventures in Oddity, which was a very strange, prophetic, weird photo because it was before we were cast in Adventures in Odyssey. And we happened, if you see the cover of our book, we look yeah. like our characters, Eugene and Connie. <laughs> and, it, and that, it didn't even exist when we took those pictures. So that That's was crazy. very odd. Yeah. And now we play, because it looks, we look like two kids at a soda fountain, kind of, you know, young, young people. And that's where we work in, or did work for a while on uh, Adventures in Odyssey. The probably still do. 34 years. It's our 34th year on the air with that. But anyway. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was 33 or 34. So it's 34. We're going on, yeah, 34. And it's our fifth decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that definitely. Adventures in Odyssey is, is something that I, that I grew up with, uh, as well. You know, my, I remember I didn't really know what it was. Uh, my mom just, uh, took it on herself to buy me one of those cassette sets, sure. um, when I was probably like eight and I, and I loved it. I thought it was really good. And I remember as I, and I know, like I said, I knew we have to wrap up, but I did want to at least touch on Odyssey a little bit. Um, you know, it was something that just in my, in my little niche of the internet, I talk about like Christian film a lot. And for the most part, it's not very good. Um, but there are some I, good ones that aren't marketed as Christian films. And yes, those are exactly. the ones you want to find. Anything yes. with Robert Duvall in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's my favorite actor. Um, but, uh, you know, and I remember uh, having conversations with people um, at various like Christian film festivals and stuff. And, and, and I kept referencing Adventures in Odyssey. Granted, you know, it, it was a radio show and then, yes, a cartoon series. Uh, but I said, like, that's a Christian, th that is a, uh, a Christian based program. The writing is very good. The dialogue is very natural. Um as opposed to so many of these movies where the dialogue is just is clipped and artificial and all of that. And so it, it's the thing that I would always point to uh, as like, 
no, it is possible to do this, not merely well, but to do it consistently well for, as was mentioned, 34 years. Uh, you know, and so uh, for those uh, listening who, who may not uh, know what Adventures in Odyssey is, it is a, a radio program that, uh, that you guys have been doing since pretty much the beginning, right? Yep, from the yep. beginning. Before and, the beginning. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, they launched it to suit you guys, I assume. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's available in various capacities and I would highly recommend people check it out. It's something that I think ki- that, ki- I mean, I liked it as a kid and I think kids today would like it as you well. You can go to witsend.org or now they have the, uh, uh, adventures in Odyssey club, but it's like a monthly membership and you have access to all, like, I think we have 900 episodes yeah. or something. It was it was a really great show, and I liked the I liked the the cartoon as well. I thought that was pretty well done. Like again, as I was mentioning, I was thinking like, okay, what things am I going to show my kids as they get older? And I do think that the Adventures in Odyssey cartoon is something that I will show them because um, I thought that was pretty pretty funny, pretty well animated, uh, and yes, of course, acted wonderfully. Um, <laughs> but uh, you now you guys did mention. Uh, a podcast that you that you have. Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, Katie, tell us the name of it. I'll tell you later. <laughs> oh, tell you later. Yeah, that's the name of it. Tell you. Oh, later. Okay. <laughs> All right. More than that. Minute, it's like it's. Wait, am I be am I witness to an argument? What's going on? Okay, <laughs> well, I that's see. It's kind of the premise of our whole life together is one big argument. But, Fair uh, enough. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> There he goes again. Tell you later. Yeah, yeah. So we're just launching it. Hopefully next week the first episode will be up on okay. YouTube. Or by the and... time people hear this, we'll, oh yeah, yeah. Go, go to YouTube and type in "Tell you later" and see see if it shows up or not. Or sure. And well, yeah. yeah. So we're still trying to learn that, the ins and outs of of this modern new world of technology. But as you can see, we have no problem talking. Yeah, <laughs> it's. It's a big part of it. Uh, you know, as someone who's had a podcast for 13 years, wow. you got you have to be a bit of a blowhard uh, and uh, just have always, always have something to say. Well, Will is an, is it, is a deep, no, he's, he's a bottomless pit of information. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, okay. <laughs> and musical entertainment. So. Well, he he like writes a song every day. So we put our book together based on the photo that I was telling you about. So we wrote Adventures in Oddity, and then this year we just came out with the bonus edition. So we also, and then we experimented because yeah, it's got done. about fifty or sixty extra pages. I think we, and drawings. Will also is a cartoonist, so he did all the drawings in our book, and uh, he's very he's a Renaissance man, and. So we, we, our first book, of course, we read the audio version. I prefer the term Renaissance. Yes, Renaissance. And then this bonus edition, we actually did a video of us reading a book. So Hmm. let's make it a little more entertaining. And there's music, and it looks like Will's geared up to play a little. Uh, No, I'm not. I I just, um, I I was just going to play a chord, a D chord. Well, I do appreciate, uh, you know, I, I always Speaking enjoy a which, good song. Do you know what, you know, I'm sure what, what car was mentioned in the Bible? Oh boy. Is this, is this going to be like a pun joke? You know, a Honda. Remember it said they were all in one accord. Oh boy. Well, 
I'm sorry, I can't use this interview anymore. Uh, if we if we we're gonna end if we're gonna end on that, you know what? I'd rather just delete it. Um, but uh, anyway, I, no, I you. <laughs> this well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, you guys are always welcome back, and we can talk more in depth about specific jobs that that you enjoyed and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, everybody, check out Tell You Later. Uh, their, uh, their podcast, which is, uh, available, uh, ideally at the, uh, hopefully at this point available on YouTube. And if they want more information, I'm sure it'll be on my website, which is katielee.com. And, and Patreon or Patreon, I don't know how people pronounce it, um, is involved with that too, right? It will be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'll tell you later, Patreon. How do you pronounce it? Do you say Patreon or? I say Patreon. Patreon. Okay. Then um, that means Will will say Patreon just to be difficult. Now, what do they call it in England? Hmm. Well, we'll we'll find out. Write in and let us know. Well, whatever it is, it probably Thank sounds more intelligent. Thank you, Tyler. You, you, as, you, as Irving Berlin said, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. You you have, I think, exhausted Tyler's patience now. I have. There, there are two, <laughs> he has there are two slumbering people in the other room needing attention. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, thankfully, I'm I'm too tired to speak up. So, uh, yeah, but no, this was tremendous fun. And uh, it was very exciting to have you guys uh, on the show. As mentioned, I've been a, a fan, whether I knew it or not, uh, for for many years. And so we really I really appreciate it. And I, I'm sure the listeners do as well. So thank you guys so much for being here on the show. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Thanks, Tyler. Goodbye. Bye.